Hello, film fans. How are you today without your mask if you're fully vaccinated? So we have a fully vaccinated podcast today. Yet we're still independently distanced, but that's fine because none of us could get to the same place anywhere, which is also yeah. fine. It's too much work. Yes, it is. We'll talk to our friend Tom O'Keefe from the Family Arena and from the Peloton podcast. Around minute 16, we'll talk about The Woman in the Window. Around minute 27, we'll talk about Spiral, Saw 9. Around minute 35, Army of the Dead. Around minute 38, Oxygen. Around minute 41, Profile. Around minute 46, The Killing of Two Lovers. Around minute 52, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Around minute 54, The Crime of the Century. Around minute 58, we'll talk about the Muni series. And then around minute one hour, we'll talk about everything that's going on in the world of entertainment. Well, hello, Tom O'Keefe. How are you? Good. I'm sure you were very busy because I've gotten several pre-sale emails from the family arena. That is correct. Yeah, we just announced uh, three shows. We announced uh, um, Price is Right Live coming back on December 3rd and The Monkees coming back on November 9th for their farewell tour. And then uh, we just announced uh, Hank Williams Jr. on Saturday, August 14th. And that one I on heard sale that. on Friday. Yeah. So, so it is August. All, yeah, August 14th. And uh, all three are selling like gangbusters. All right. Now you are your big monkeys fan. You are I'd like the world's biggest monkeys fan. That's not why I booked them, but but yes. It was available. So yeah. who is is Mike on this tour? Yeah, it's Mike and Mickey. It's the two the surviving two members. Yeah. Right. So doing uh an, e- an evening with so it you know it'll be a lengthy set and they'll they when their evening with sets are they're they'll they'll probably be two and a half hours two hours and 45 minutes like they're so pretty lengthy. how many how many times have you seen the monkeys oh man i've never actually counted it up but i've probably seen them okay well, how many I times think, have you, had you seen all four well i mean i've never seen all four together oh well, because I mean, they stopped touring as a unit, and like yeah, when you the were a child, well, <laughs> I wasn't born. Like the last time they played all four of them, and like not, it's just like a surprise. Not appearance. like a one-off, right? Yeah, it right. was uh, was nineteen sixty-nine. So right, you were right. born yet. And then Davy yeah. died early, and so when yeah, were, I mean, yeah. So yeah, so Davy died about ten years ago, and then um, and so and then and then then Mike came back. And honestly, as a huge Monkeys fan, this last 10 years is to me, it's all bonus. Like I, when Davey died, I thought, well, that's it. We're not going to see the Monkeys anymore. And so the fact that like they toured as much as they have and Mike kind of came out of hiding and then they put out an album that was amazing. Yeah, and, I have it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that Good Times really good. Is, is, is one of the best records they've ever put out. And, and so, it even has uh, some Davy stuff on it too. It does, yeah. They found a way to it still include Davy, which was great. And um, and so uh, so like I just looked this last ten years of Monkey stuff is all bonus. I I when Davy died, I was like, it's we're done with Monkey stuff, and so it's been great. But I'm, if I was guessing, I'd say I'd probably seen them fifteen or twenty times. Wow! But, but as a whole, you I... have seen them as a as, you haven't seen them as a four piece, but you have seen all four of the monkeys, just not together. Correct. Right. I've seen all four of the monkeys uh, in Doing the monkeys. monkeys different. Yeah. And I've also seen them all four as a solo act now. That I think oh, about wow. it. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, Lynn, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I was just going to say the last time was at the family arena in November of 2018. I was there and it was just Mickey and Peter and they did a lot from the new album and they sounded great. Yeah. And actually they did play the arena after that. I think that was, I think that date was 18 or 17, but then they came back in 19 uh, after Peter had passed with, with Mike. And, um, and so, uh, and they, and I think they played some stuff with the new record then too. Right. Do the monkeys belong in the rock and roll hall of fame, Tom? Absolutely. They do. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, finally, yeah. They finally rectified uh, Tina Turner and mm-hmm. Carol yeah. King as solo acts, not with their husbands. And then Todd right. Rundgren finally influential totally. Todd Rundgren. And then yeah. the Go-Go's have been eligible since 1996. Yeah, okay, wow. so Yeah, and they should be in there as well. Right. But, but like the monkeys, I mean, I mean, first off, they kind of invented the music video as we yep. know it. And, and then their live shows, I mean, in 1967, they were doing live shows with video production on the stage. Like even the Beatles weren't doing that. And then, uh, and then, you know, the whole rap about they didn't play the, the instruments on the record one is not entirely true, but also they used the same, they used the wrecking crew. They used the same right. people right. that the Beach that Boys Motown. and the Birds and, and yeah, you know, so, I mean, it's like, it's the same session musicians that all these other bands who are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame use. So like, I don't really get what the hang and the wrecking is. crew is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. So it's dumb. It's dumb. It's just petty. Juvenile. Yeah, it's petty. It's petty. It's Jan Winner stuff that uh like warren zevon we got to get that man you know in there i mean i voted this year i don't know for what it's worth it's not worth anything because last year's fan vote was dave matthews and they didn't get in yeah right all right so i want to i want to mention something about tom We, we all know that tom uh runs and books the family arena I know I'm getting your title wrong, but yes, you run and book the family arena. I'm, I'm the manager of booking and marketing. Okay. That's, that's a lovely title. And yeah. you run that, that venue. And I hope you still do that Christmas thing again this year, because what you guys did last year for Christmas was amazing. Oh, well, thank you. I don't think we will. We just won't, we don't have a way to have that peacefully coexist with concerts. Uh, and so like we don't have anywhere like because it, t- it took up it was called lot of lights and, and it took up so much of the parking lot because it was like a mile long within yep. our parking lot and uh um which is a shame i would have loved to have done it again because i feel like i i feel like for our first year that was really good and i feel like we learned a lot and could have done a and and in subsequent years could have really kicked it up a notch Sold but it beer. was yeah but it was well, well people are on their cars but oh. um uh, but it just was difficult to uh, figure out a way to to do that and still have concerts. It was kind of one or the other, and so we, you know, we had to we had to make a choice. So we went with concerts. Well, Tom is Tom works with the Family Arena and, and marketing and booking director. But then the other day, Lynn, I was I sent Lynn a text. I said, "All right, so I'm in my, I get seven newsletters that I read in the car every day. Actually, Siri reads them to me in the car." <laughs> And so one of them is called Morning Brew and Morning Brew has a has an offshoot in the afternoon, three days a week called Marketing Brew. And they were talking this week on, I guess, Monday or Wednesday about Peloton. It was Monday and they were talking about Peloton and they said, and we talked to Tom and Crystal O'Keefe. And I said, I 
know Tom and Crystal O'Keefe. I wonder if it's the <laughs> same one. And what, it what, is what the, the same likelihood? one. It is the same one. Yeah. You guys are, you are the nationally famous. <laughs> You're nationally no, famous I, and you are considered experts on Peloton. Tell I the mean, story my how wife it came is. about. No, how, you know, if you read the website, you take far less credit than you probably deserve. <laughs> well, so uh, my wife bought a Peloton back in 2016. So back really early in their run and absolutely fell in love with it. And uh, in her day job at the time was she was a project manager in healthcare. And she's tried to explain to me what she actually does for a living, but I just kind of glaze over. And, uh, um, and so she was just saying how she wished she had a creative outlet like I do, like with, because like, I have a Real movie spoiler. podcast. Real spoilers. And, uh, and I was like, well, you should start a podcast. All the equipment's in the basement. Just have at it, you know? And she was like, what would I talk about? And I said, well, you could talk about that Peloton and uh, I'm like, because you won't. So you can stop talking talk to me about, about it. it. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, and she's like, how could I talk about that for an hour a week? And I was like, honey, I would blow a hobo if you would only talk about it for an hour a week. So, <laughs> um, and so the kind of deal we made was, uh, um, was like because of my radio background, because she was like, I don't know how to do like the segues from topic to topic and make it sound like a thing. And Wait. I was like, yeah, I was like, I'll do it with you. And I'll do all that stuff, but you actually, you make it Peloton and I'll do all the other stuff. And so that, and so you're the host, she's the expert. Well, I mean, honestly, she's the host and I'm the sidekick is the way I look at it is because it's like, I'm the, the kind of, you know, dumb, dumb guy making jokes throughout, but, um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, w when we were in the car, I was like, look it up and see if there's a Peloton podcast. And when there wasn't, I was like, that's a huge hole in the market. I was like, I'm like, if we're going to do this, we were driving. I was like, when we, when we pull into the driveway, we need to throw this car in park and start a podcast because like, if not, I don't want to ever talk about it again because someone else is going to start it and they're going to end up being a big damn deal. And we're going to be jealous. And I, so I do, do never talk about it again. And she's like, let's do it. So we, we threw it in the, we got in the car, threw it in the park and like, or got in the parking driveway and, and, uh, and I was just, and we were off to the races creating a podcast and, and it is gone just gangbusters. I mean, it gets, you know, 40, 50,000 downloads a month. And, and uh, we have a full roster of advertisers. It's you have monetized. more than 15 <laughs> advertisers on your website. And I'm sure well, that's not more. simultaneously. That's just right, sponsors right. we've worked with. But yeah, um, and some and like some some big ones, like, so, you know, we were pleasantly surprised. And we started an offshoot podcast called The Superset, which is about tonal. Uh, which is like a kind of like Peloton, but for strength training. And, uh, but yeah, and we've ended up over the years, like we're starting to get bigger and bigger guests. We had uh, Andrea Barber who played Kimmy Gibbler on Full House. And we had best-selling author, Queen of the Beach Read, Ellen Hildebrand. We had VH1's Dr. Jen Mann on the show. Um, uh, on our on next week's episode, uh, comes out on Friday, which is what, the 21st? Yes. Uh will be uh, Snooki. We're going to have Snooki on talking about right. her love of Peloton from Jersey Shore. So, And you you also had the girl from the Peloton ad that everyone was making fun of for so long, yeah, like Monica, two years ago. Monica Ruiz. She was in that viral commercial. And like, I like it was coming up on the one year anniversary. And I was like, it's the one year anniversary. We should see if we can get her on the show now that everything's calmed down. And I reached out to her and uh, and she was super, super nice. And she was like, yeah, like this. 
this seems like a friendly environment to come discuss. I think she was just worried about she's I mean, she said as much in the interview, she was worried about people interviewing her to trash Peloton. And so she knew that that wasn't our jam. And so she felt comfortable coming and talking to us. And so we talked to her for like, I mean, man, like an hour. And she just walked us through the whole thing from her perspective. It was really cool. So and and you, but since you're not you're not sponsored by Peloton, that doesn't yep. mean that you you can't talk about like what has happened with Peloton in the last month or so. Yeah, we talked about the recall. I mean, that was the article you saw was us talking about the recall, and we've talked about other uh, other uh, Peloton scandals. We we talked a lot about the the commercial that went viral that people were upset about. You're an independent. I mean, you're like a journalist. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're like a journalist, but our only topic is Peloton, essentially. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, uh, and then when uh, they didn't think Biden could have it at the White House because of the state secrets. And, yeah. Uh, also, uh, in the pandemic, have you seen a rise in interest with the Peloton? I mean, they're selling Pelotons like crazy. But like, I mean, right now, like all that it, connected fitness stuff was selling like crazy. Um, well, they sold out for a while. They couldn't meet demand. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't. The and especially with the disruption in supply chains, they, they were having definite issues getting the uh, the Peloton to people in a timely manner. But uh, um, but but we've also seen a rise in, in listenership. Like we've been really kind of on fire lately. So fingers crossed that they stick around. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Well, I, but Tom, as he mentioned back then. A couple minutes ago, he also has the Real Spoilers podcast, so he also talks about movies. Yes, and he spoils That's, them. And you're yes, having your, you're having your six hundred and fortieth episode. Is that correct? Something like that. Yeah, it's been a lot. We've been doing it for uh, a long time, seven years. Our first episode was Man of Steel, so whenever that came out. So I, I have been a guest on the po- Real Spoilers podcast. Yeah, it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. Was it. Fun yeah i'm glad and, you guys keep doing it yeah it was weird spoiling a movie i'll say yeah that. and like that i know people but you do, know that that's the deal that's what i we know put the, but the it's title. just like you spend so much time trying not to that it's weird yeah and that was kind of my it. my thought for the podcast is like so many movie reviews like you have to dance around certain aspects of a film and uh and so i was like well in my I, my pitch is always like it's a book club for movies but with no oprah and so um and so like we're assuming you've either seen the movie already or you don't care and so right. we're going to go through it kind of beat by beat and and talk about it and we'll you know we'll we'll ruin it right up front for you and you know that's just kind of the that's just kind of what we do well, like like the, one of the movies we're going to talk about today, The Killing of Two Lovers, there is something that I just wanted to say when I reviewed it on the air yesterday. And I said, well, no, I can't do this. This isn't real spoilers because the title is deceiving. But the movie that the three they only of us- kill one lover. <laughs> well, I don't know. I haven't it's seen it. More, it's more symbolic than it is literal. Uh, well, uh, I just got the uh, you know Disney invite for Cruella and it has a whole thing about how we're not allowed to- spoil anything oh well good yeah mm-hmm. well yeah why would you want to see something like a kids movie with dark what, secrets what could they, it's weird what could uh, what could possibly be going on in cruella that's going to be like a, blowing she our turned, minds i i would get here i will guess without here i haven't gotten the email yet so i don't know i would guess that glenn close makes an appearance in the movie that There's would be 99 dalmatians <laughs> like, it's a lie the, 
Well, you know, they always do that because remember when we would go to the Marvel movies, they would stand there and yeah, read well, that, with the that thing, makes you know. Sense. But that's like there were things that you could spoil, and it's like, yeah, like oh, Tony Iron Stark Man shows dies. up at the start of the Avengers. That's a spoiler, like that's a big deal. But like Corella, come on. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's the cameo appearance of something. Yeah, well, something dumb. Um, yeah, so we're gonna see that Wednesday, and it doesn't come out till the May uh, twenty. Eighth, but um, my, and you still got to pay cam- So bucks. your cameo, your cameo prediction is that it's Glenn Close. Yes. Mine is that it's the uh, cryogenic head of Walt Disney. Oh, good. Well, that would be <laughs> quite. Or they all turn into cartoons deal. at the end. Yes. <laughs> fun. Haha. Uh-huh. Right. So, the, so one of the, the movie movies that see. I've seen this week, I thought that this would be perfect for Tom's show. Real spoilers. It is called <laughs> The Woman in the Window, and it was supposed to be released in 2019 by Fox. But Fox 2000. It's they, the last Fox 2000 movie. Yeah, they decided that it needed reshoots, and they pushed mm, it off. It still and does. Pushed it off. Well, it does. <laughs> Uh, they pushed it off and then they sold it to Netflix and said, you well, no, that's it was this was part of the Disney Fox merger that that's that's the problem with this movie. It wouldn't have sat if Fox and Disney were two separate entities. They would have released this movie. It, it might have been a dumping in August, but they still would have released this movie. This is the yeah. last Fox 2000 movie, and it's based on a book that the author has been disgraced on because he made up a whole bunch of stuff about having cancer and his brother and mother also having cancer and dying. And so he faked, he said he went to Oxford. He only went to Duke. Well, it's the guy is, there was a whole New York times article about how this guy was a doofus. Well, his uh, pen name is AJ Finn, and he had this bestseller, and it's a trashy beach read, and his real name is Daniel Mallory. So if you Google Daniel It's a Mallory, fun read. I've read it. I, I've read it, too. And you know what? It's a, it's it's better than the movie. <laughs> Once again, yeah. the I mean, book is was, better than the movie. It came, I, it came out kind of on the heels of Gone Girl when everybody was looking for like that. Or the girl in the, the train. Stuff. The yeah. girl on the train, and yeah. then like, yeah. And, uh, and so, um, and it was funny cause I, my, my wife read it and she's like, oh, you should read this one. You'll like it. And, and, uh, um, and so like, I'm like 40 pages in and I was like, Hey, is this going on? And she was like, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, well, I um, it's an unreliable uh, narrator and it is very sure. cinematic. It's just this rewrite that Tracy Letts did. Uh, took out what I've read because I was so mystified last night when I watched it. I was like, oh my God, what happened to this? Like, is she that sympathetic and pathetic? I mean, unsympathetic and pathetic. And they said in the book, she's she's more sympathetic, right? I don't agree. I think in the book, she's pretty unsympathetic. Like she's like- um, She gets catfished twice. Yeah, like- yeah, like it's, I think it's maybe she comes across more sympathetic because the book's more like it's in her head. It's, you know, the narrative is kind of in her head. It's not first person, but it's, but it's, it's definitely from her point of view. And this film tries to recreate that, but I don't think they actually get there. And it's a, like, it's a little too cute for its own good a well, lot yeah. of times, you know. Also, also the book has, uh, there are, there are two major twists. One is the whodunit and the other one is the why she's trapped inside. And right. they kind of for 80, it's 95 minutes long. It yeah. could have 
usually I'm happy when movies are that tight, but they could have used another five, 10 minutes to explain why they kind of just gloss over the whole, why she doesn't want to go outside. When they get, when they give you that reveal and that's the one that I, that I guessed when Mm -hmm. I was reading the book, I was like, "Mm." and, uh, but when they give you that reveal, like, it's kind of like, oh, here's this thing that totally changes your perception of everything, but whatever. And it just kind of keeps plowing ahead. Like, it doesn't really feel like it impacts the rest of the movie no. and the way it does the book, you know? And Anthony Mackie is a great actor as her husband. And so and wasted. He's, wasted. He's, he's wasted in this movie. He yeah. does literally well, there's, nothing. There's several people that are wasted. But before we get too much in the weeds, we should say Amy Adams plays an agoraphobic in this in this uh, stately brownstone in New York and she's looking out the window and she sees activity at her neighbors and it's very uh starts out rear windowy and then they even have a clip of rear window it's yeah like, it's what, re- is, what mm-hmm. is that about you know and so it tries to be Hitchcock but yeah. these characters are so poorly drawn Jennifer Jason Lee is totally wasted and uh, uh, Brian Tyree Henry is such a good actor that five minutes of him is good. Yeah. But he was so good. He was even good in Godzilla. Yeah. And, and, (laughs) and so, you know, he's good, but he's in three scenes and the last one is the most memorable. Right. Yeah. And the uh, poor Amy Adams, she just sleepwalks through that movie like she's supposed to, like a drunk, like a drug crazy cat lady, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's weird that that's both an accurate and unfair description. Like, it's like she is, but it's also kind of what the character would be doing, but it's also not the most interesting thing to watch for an hour and 40 minutes. So it's like, I, I don't know what the right answer is there, you know? Well, and then also, if she's so paranoid, she lets people in. And she has yeah. a tenant and poor Wyatt Russell, I think has the worst role of anybody. Because okay. He's now nice let's, let's, and then he's mean. Let's talk about Wyatt Russell here. We, we all know Wyatt Russell now from the Falcon and the winter soldier, but, and you know, he was really good in that, but I didn't realize until this movie that he's Goldie and Kurt's son. Oh yeah. But oh, you I, didn't know that? I, I didn't, I didn't know that because I'm like, I, first of all, cause you know, he's, He's a different character in this. And like, he's kind of shady, kind of kind of like John Walker, but not John Walker. And I said, I know that guy. Before I realized that it was Wyatt Russell, I'm like, I know that guy. I'm like, oh my gosh, that I figured out that he was their son before I figured out he was John Walker. And I said, wow, he <laughs> really looks like Kurt Russell. And I said, wait a minute, that's Wyatt Russell. Hey, wait a minute, Wyatt Russell was in Falcon. Oh, wow. So I, I found, I took the weirdest way to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was in that terrible romantic comedy with Anna Kendrick at the wedding, like table 15 or something. He had a. Oh, really- I thought that was OK. Like it was nothing special, but it was I mean, I've, I've sat for worse. Well, of course, yeah. it's also Anna Kendrick. So I'm a little biased. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, uh, he's actually good as a villain in this indie called Cold in July which is really good. And Sam okay. Shepard, it was like one of the last things Sam Shepard did. So he's been, he's been around, but his character is like, you know, when he jumps out and says boo to her. You know? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, that's so, uh, well in the book, they were like an item kind of. Yeah. It's been a while since I read it, but yeah, don't they? Yeah. They end up hooking up, right? Yeah, they do. Or they come and- real close. But it's, it's she acts more like a mother to him, which I guess yeah. is supposed to mean that she's more of a mother to the kid too. So uh, 
It's not well done. No, and Gary Oldman just screams. I mean, <laughs> and and I mean, he's playing the sinister guy, and he just comes over and and screams there. Now, the production design of this house is really cool, and Joe Wright directed it, who's known yes. for period pieces. Well, yeah, he did the Darkest Hour. He called up. Get- Buffa said this. He's like, so did Joe Wright call up his darkest hour buddy, Gary Oldman, and asked him to do two days on a movie? Maybe. It sure looks like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the person that fares the best is Julianne Moore, because when she's on. Because <laughs> she's is, in one scene. I know she's in one scene and it's great. And and then she leaves, you know, and so. Yeah. But uh, the kid that's no, you actually. Don't say the she leaves. Tra- they, they gave it away in the trailer. I know our I know our buddy Blake doesn't like to watch trailers, but they give it away what happens to her in the trailer because yeah, well that's the whole premise because it's like that's rear the thing. window. The movie's ninety five minutes, and then if you watch the two and a half minute trailer, you've seen most of the first half of the movie. Well, how about I mean things hit you over the head with the way he's trying to be Hitchcockian. For instance, yeah. the kid borrows uh, a couple DVDs, yeah, and one of them is Gaslight. <laughs> yes, which is kind of funny. But that's not a Hitchcock movie, though. No, but I'm just saying in terms of, you know, trying to have little cute little things. In yeah. It that... But it's also, you know what this movie actually reminded me of a little? The Father, because it all takes place in one. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking how much better the father did it, right? Yes. Like the father, like kind of wants it wants to mess with your head with, you know, like, whose point of view are we seeing and what's really going on? And like the father did it so much better just with editing and, and the screenplay and with really no special effects to speak of. And, and this movie has, you know, maybe not all the money in the world, but I'm sure a lot more money than the father did. And the father did it so much more effectively, but yeah, I had the exact same thought watching. Good. It. Well, the, the difference is the father is taking place in five rooms. This is a four story walk up in New York city. <laughs> Yeah, and the I was staircase to... is like the least efficient use of space ever. Yes, and it's like I'm like, where does the staircase go? <laughs> oh, it goes to a, a faulty uh, uh, window. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're that like, holds... oh, this staircase uh, at the top of the staircase. That's where we keep all the plot holes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, right. the, uh, the root the rooftop scene is just ridiculous. But in the book, which is the book, is funny because. Uh, when they were in Boston, he did, he pushed the other woman. I'm not using names and I'm being vague, but the previous instance, he pushed a woman off of like a five-story building. So that, that was, it's supposed to lead up to that. But of course they never tell you that because it's not written well. Yeah. No, I, and I really am sorry that Tracy Letts has got his name attached to this because I, I do want to say something about Tracy Letts five minutes into it. I have to make a meme of this because Amy Adams is talking to Tracy Letts and she goes WTF Carl. And I'm just going to pull that <laughs> and I'm going to pull that and just use that meme for like Twitter <laughs> and Instagram because it's, it's right at five minutes and I, my wife isn't going to see this movie, but I am going to show her that scene. <laughs> All right, Tom, let's move on to something that you saw that Lynn was going to go see, but yeah. didn't. Um, I bailed. Saw, saw nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's saw nine. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it was weird. Uh, like, so I, somehow I got in my head that this was supposed to be a prequel. And I, so like for the first, 
first 20 minutes, I'm like, these computers look way too new for to be a prequel. I don't understand what's going on. But um, so I don't know where I got that from, but I I thought that's what they were doing. Well, Spiral, um, Spiral is another time. movie that's yeah. been sitting around for a year and a half. Yeah. And and uh and so full disclosure, I've never seen a saw movie, which is Same a weird here. sentence that's to diagram. Go. Yeah, never seen a saw. What? Um <laughs> But uh, I've never but through seen osmosis, one. you know what it is. I mean, I know essentially it's like lots of real, it's like uh, Rube Goldberg the, death, it's Rube, the killer's Rube Goldberg, and yeah. uh, um, and but uh, and I know the first one, I know the first one, and it kind of it it, it was it, if it wasn't the first, it was one of the first in the, the torture porn genre of films. that movie and hostile and hostile, right? And so and so when I read the description, when it came out originally, I'm just like, well, that's not my thing. I'm, I'm good. And I'm not a big horror movie guy anyway. And so, but I like the idea of bringing in Chris Rock and, and Samuel and, L. Jackson. Yeah. And I was like, oh, let's up the pedigree a little bit. Like that could be fun if they, if they, you know, if they kind of like retroactively make this a little bit more highbrow and, and, um, and but so the this first movie, one, the first one had Carrie Elwells and uh, then uh, one of the Wahlbergs was in it for a long time. And he said that was the thing that he got most noticed for. Interesting, but yeah, I, I but horror movie fans are so passionate and they're so used to recognizing, like, oh, you were the seventh girl killed in the third Halloween movie, like that's <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, this movie is basically like seven meets the usual suspects if both of those movies sucked. And <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know how this compares to the other Saw movies. I, I hope it's I hope it's badly because if this is. <laughs> What account? If this is what if this is considered good for the franchise, I, I don't know how they got the nine of them, but but uh, I, I like this, and I thought Chris Rock was like his performance was Slumming. frighteningly bad. Like I thought his line readings were really weird, and like and and it was like there were legit funny lines in the movie that I felt like he was trying to not be funny because he was trying to prove he was serious or something like i don't know like i i just i thought his scenes i just did not think he was good which is weird because i i like chris rock a lot but i did not like him in this at did all. you watch him in fargo i have not i, I watched the first season of fargo and it just kind of left me cold and i just never continued so i have not i know there are anthologies i can jump on whenever but like i i never got around to it season two is really fabulous is it there's just so much to I love TV, yes, but there's so but much you of it can now. Skip three and and I haven't seen four yet, but yeah. So yeah, yeah I know now, there's too much TV. Tom, do you think if you would have seen any, even the first one, that might have helped you out with this, make you I like? I feel it like more? I was confused. I felt like I understood what was going on. Like I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't like scratching my head. I was just like, this is not good. <laughs> which <laughs> which bad. you shouldn't have to see. It's not. And, and there wasn't a previously on Saw at the beginning. Yeah, that's true. Like a lot of times when they're this deep in the run, you get some sort of like a little montage at the beginning. But but and, and also that's why I thought they were doing a prequel. I thought they were like, oh, we'll do a prequel. We'll tweak the title, you know, and and, you know, that'll and that'll kind of give people a hopping on point. But um, uh, but yeah, like I like I said, I, I didn't feel like I was confused or anything. I just didn't think it was very good. I, I, <laughs> and like when it gets to its big reveal at the end, I was just like, oh, okay. I mean, that makes like not a whole lot of sense, but that whatever. guy's the killer. Yeah. And, oh, this is, I do know this is the first one without Tobin Bell at all. Okay. So, you say so? well, you know, he's, he's jigsaw. 
Okay, he's jigsaw. Oh, okay. I only saw well, the first like... one, and it was disgusting. So then I <laughs> thought to myself, well, why would I want to see number nine? Yeah, like horror movies don't typically get better as they go. So, like if you don't like the first one, like it's not going to suddenly. But to, but with Friday the 13th, they even changed killers because everyone thinks in Friday, the thir- as we saw on Scream, everyone thinks that Jason's the killer in the first Friday the 13th, which right. is not true. But right. you could say that after the first Friday the 13th, Jason became an icon. And, you know, he's shorthand now. But is that because mm-hmm. the movies yeah. got better? Or is it just because it stuck around for so long? I think, I mean, again, I think I've, I think I saw the first one and that was it. Cause these <laughs> just aren't my sort of thing, but just from general, you know, like, as you said, osmosis from pop culture. I mean, I think the, you know, some, there's an ebb and flow and some are better than others. And I think the first, you know, the first couple were, were, you know, fairly well received in the Friday the 13th franchise. And then at some point it just becomes a Saturday morning cartoon when it's like, <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, well, and he goes, "Is there a space one, or did that yes. not get made?" Okay, no, they I, actually did it. That's I think okay. they did That's it, Jason. And, but yeah. I think it's only there for. A, I don't. I don't think they're there forever. I think it's just like a scene. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, now Fast and Furious is going to space. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, like yeah, it's, really? Uh, yeah. I have to watch could, once they Chimps get to ten. I have to those, watch all ten. Yeah, Chimps could write those scripts seriously when they yeah, had that I car think they are. from one to the a building the last one i think we were both yeah. at that screening and the car left from one tower to the next i was like oh, yeah okay yeah it's, okay here we it, go you know what irritates me about fast and furious franchise is that they're not fun right like these are dumb silly Isn't movies fast five well, supposed to be the best one i don't know like but i but like why aren't they fun like remember i remember when i was a kid like you, they had movies like this and it was like smoking the bandit and they were a blast right. and right. like these movies are so dour and i don't and- understand like you're just you're, you're just playing hot wheels man like lighten up i don't get why they're so <laughs> oh and speaking of smoking the band i was thinking about smoking the band the other day i was off on a tangent for a second can you imagine how no. much the conservatives would Eight smoking the band if it came out today. It's so anti police. But What's it's that? also, first of all, it wouldn't get made. Yeah. And, and our buddy Ray Collier, Smoking the Bandit is his favorite movie. And I once made an offhand, oh, that racist movie. And then he went by point by point how Smoking the Bandit is not racist. They make sure that Sheriff Buford doesn't say anything racist because, you know, this was the 70s and they were, yeah, the, this was a movie that they just made for fun. But yeah, I mean, so it, yeah. It, Go what's ahead. that? No, I was going to say there were so many car culture movies back then. Totally, yeah. I mean, They're it was a, bootleggers. It was a subgenre. Yeah, it was a subgenre of movies back then. But yeah, like this. I mean, this. What? What was? What's the story that this? The Hugh Wilson is that the stunt guy? That Hugh Wilson with? created WKRP in Cincinnati. No, that I always get those names mixed up. It's oh, that Hal Needham. <laughs> Hell need him. I don't know why. I always get those two names mixed up. And and uh uh oh wait, wasn't didn't Hugh Wilson work on uh uh oh crap, Stroker Ace? <laughs> I think it was the <laughs> two of them on Stroker Ace. But anyway, um uh but like Hal Needham was just like, Oh, I want to make this movie. Can you help me get it made to Burt Reynolds? Because he had worked with them on so many other movies. And like thinking, like, can you get me like a two million dollar budget? And then like the next day he comes in, he's like, I talked to the studio. You and me are making this movie. <laughs> it, it is. It is. It's Stroker Ace, it, and it is still Hugh Wilson who did WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, 
So that's how that gets conflated in my head. But anyway, so yeah, like that movie would never get made today. Like the, because like the conservatives would lose their shit and how much <laughs> the police look like idiots. I mean, don't let them know about the Keystone cops. Or, or, or Dukes of Hazard. Oh yeah. Dukes of oh, Hazard, the cops yeah. are idiots and they're corrupt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. Anyway. Well, moving on go. in the horror genre to zombies. Did anybody see Army of the Dead? No, no, I, I want to though. It looks like a lot of fun. Did it you looks like it big then? dumb fun? I did not. Pardon me? Yeah, I didn't see it. I didn't ask for access to it. And then it came it came out in theaters Friday, and then it's gonna be on Netflix starting this Friday. Now it's it's weird. This is Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. This is Zack Snyder's Army our uh zombie movie. How did he have time to do any of these things? Is he actually directing it or is he producing it? He I thought he did it. I yeah. think he directed did it. Did he? Okay. I don't know. I, uh, yeah. um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, really what else has he been doing? The Justice League was just like a re-edit. Like he didn't do a whole, he didn't have to do a whole bunch on that. He wrote it. He co-wrote it with Shea Hatton and uh, Joby Harold. And it's Dave Batista. So it looks fun. And like his, and uh, Zack Snyder, I, I run hot and cold on like, and I certainly yes, don't like his personality, too. but uh um, but like the Dawn of the Dead remake he did was phenomenal. It like was, that movie yeah. was a blast. Yeah. Well, it was. Shea Hatton did uh, did uh, John Wick three, and so you've got zombies. John Wick three. You know this movie was supposed to be out in twenty or twenty oh seven. So they said uh, Warner Brothers sat on it forever. And Netflix said, you know what? We'll we can do this. We'll do this. And then they had to redo Chris D'Elia and put in Tignataro in his place. So when you say it was supposed to be out in 2007, like that, like it was in it, deve- it development. No, no, it's development. In development. Like it wasn't, hasn't been sitting on the shelf for six no, years. Netflix, seven years no, ago. Netflix bought the rights gotcha. three, years, okay. three years ago. And then yeah. they had to do a Christopher Plummer, Kevin Spacey with Tignataro and Chris D'Elia. So oh. I oh, am so interested like they- in it. Go so ahead. they actually, I knew that she replaced him. I didn't realize they actually filmed his part. I saw, I saw a still of her in front of a green screen, just her in front of a green screen. So interesting. I, I don't know what happened hmm. because yeah. it was all in post-production and they, they started filming it in July of 2019. So. Okay. Gotcha. But well, it looks they, they reshot some and then they green screened her. So they did that in August of last year, right after, you know, the world stopped. Yeah. Well, and they were doing, a, they were shooting a lot of things on green screen just to keep people distant, you and know, working. so that could have mm-hmm. been some of that too. Yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, it's like a zombie heist movie. And I'm like, well, that's, that at least is different, you know, it's an hour and a half. It, it, once Love again, it. I mean, it's two and a half hours. So oh, Zack Snyder, okay. once again, no, Zack well, Snyder well, needs an editor. Well, we'll I know. Get- I was like, "How the hell did Zack Snyder turn it in a ninety-minute movie?" No, no, That's- it's it's one hundred and forty-eight minutes. I sorry, it's, it's okay. two and a half hours. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, man. like that. That's That's more Zack yeah. Snyder. Well, yes. I have a tidy uh, Netflix a sci-fi film that was definitely a pandemic shoot. It is called Oxygen, and it dropped on Netflix Wednesday, May twelfth, and it is Melanie Laurent in some sort of cryogenic chamber and she wakes up and she's got all these tubes and she's in some sort of apparatus and she 
cuts off everything and she's struggling to breathe and her oxygen level is 36 and she doesn't have any memory of how she got there or what's going on. So there's this computer voice, Allah Hal, and it's filling her in. And then as her oxygen gets lower, it's a race against time. Now, Lynn, you stop. You need to say one thing first. Okay. It's in French. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. It's in French. It's a it's a French language. Did they redub it? It's a yeah. It's English. It's English. Okay, because yeah, I'm maybe they redone it because Netflix did that with that uh, Korean zombie movie that came out a little okay. while back. It was they had redubbed it into English, and it actually was redubbed pretty well. Like it was like I mean they didn't do any like CGI to the mouths or anything, but like it, but it like it wasn't as like it it it, it wasn't like a kung well. fu movie. No, it wasn't. I was really surprised. Yeah, well, it takes but she's a Swedish doctor, and they have a lot of shots of Sweden. And uh, she wants to know because it shows her and her husband. They're both scientists. It shows there's some sort of calamity in the world that's happened. And she is in this pod and they're all like induced in some sort of sleep heading in space somewhere. And uh, she does talk to a couple people on the phone. I don't know how that happens, but uh, but basically it's this computer voice telling her and then she's having flashbacks in her head and she pieces it together. So I thought it was going to be pretty tedious just watching her in a pod, but actually yeah. it zips along. It does get a little, you know, but she's a good actress, Melanie Laurent. And so she well, it was supposed to be Anne Hathaway. And then it was supposed to be Numi Rapace. So this movie, uh, this is another movie that's been sitting around for a while. Ah, well, you can tell it didn't take much to put together for during the pandemic. So it's, it's, you know, 104, um, it's an hour and 40 minutes and uh, it, it, yeah. So it's, it's good. I just gave it a B, Mm. you know, Tom, have you seen anything else? No, I don't think I have. Like I, uh, they said, I watched Woman in the Window last night and then Spiral on Thursday, but that's it. I'm going to try and see Army of the Dead, but. Lynn, I want to I want to hear about this movie profile that you thought I heard you talking with Ray about it the other night as I was coming home from the hockey game that uh, uh, you thought you were watching a computer. Somebody else lived their life on a computer screen. Yeah, it's all takes place on a computer. It is in theaters as of Friday, and it is based on a real book called In the Skin of a Jihadist. And the woman had to change her name and get 24-hour police protection after she lured an ISIS recruiter. She acted like she was this young virginal person who could be wooed to go over there and be radicalized and be a war bride. And she's really a British journalist. But if you you saw this on your computer and you really thought that you were watching your your computer was working on you. Yeah. At first, when it when it just pops up, I went, oh, my God, I've been hacked. And I (laughs) like rebooted it. I rebooted (laughs) because I didn't know it was all because, you know, I didn't. Sometimes before I watch a movie, I don't go into too much about it. I just want to see it. Especially when you watch that many, it's hard to to have too much knowledge about all of them, you know? Yeah. So this guy, Timur Medikov, he did Unfriended and he did Searching. So he is pioneered. He's he's used to this kind of genre. Yeah. He's pioneered this format called Screen Life. Everything takes place online. You see her 
on Skype with the terrorist. You see her talk to her editor and you see her with her insufferably shallow boyfriend who's trying to get them a two uh, bedroom flat in London. And she's kind of a hot mess, this girl. She takes the uh, fake ID of Melody Nelson and she puts a jihab on and she acts like she's in love with this guy. And so towards- So I'm confused. Is this a documentary or this is a no, fiction? No, no, it's fictional. And so- Based okay. on a true story. You see, you see her text messages. You see her- Gotcha. Um, everything's online. You know, people live online and she- sure. Everything is online and she's paying bills and she's talking to people. And then the, the problem that I had is it takes this twist and you're like, she's incredibly reckless as this journalist she and her editor make really stupid unethical decisions and in journalism you wouldn't really be doing that but she's a freelancer for this british tv channel and they want to go live with her exposing the the ring of worrying the young girls this was uh they show this takes place in 2014 and they showed news clips of this girl going over there. And then she got stoned to death because she wanted to come back home after she got married to one of those dudes. And, yeah. and then, you know, online you can create this fake persona. So nobody is sure. who they are, but at the end, I mean, there's just incredibly reckless decisions and you're just like, Ooh, and then this uh, is, a, this is this another, available at it is in theaters. It, in is theaters in, right? oh, it sounds interesting. Well, it, it also is, as I've said now, 150,000 times. This is another one of those movies that was at a at the Berlin Film Festival in February of 2018. And so we are so starved for content that any movie that was made in the last two or three years that was in a film festival is being released. And this is another <laughs> one of those. Yeah, but this is a good pedigree. Like that, the Unfriended and Searching were both good movies. Right, and it's, it's a very clever way. I thought at first, like, how can you sustain a whole movie like this? But he did. Yeah, but Searching did well. Uh, both of them did it well, Unfriended and Searching, but Searching was really good. Like, I, you know, and then did you know that Searching has a whole subplot about like alien abductions that's taking place in other news stories on the screen in the periphery oh, wow. that if you like follow, like if you start to what, what read the other stories on the news sites, he's going to, there's a whole other story about like alien abductions. Whoa. I think that's what it is. Something with aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's very, yeah, it's, really it's and it does keep your attention for a thriller, you know? Yeah. Like so, I so thought searching was great. What is this killing of two lovers, Carl? Because wasn't that a big hit at Sundance? It was. It was a big hit at Sundance. It's it's really tight. It's uh, it stars um, uh, it stars the guy. Uh, uh, what was he on? He was on. He was on the Lethal Weapon show on on Fox. Oh, the guy uh, that got fired for being kind of a nut job. Uh, I think so. It, well, if it's not Clayne, the way, Clayne, Clayne Crawford. Okay. So was he the first guy or the second guy? Oh, I no, forgot no, they were Because they, they brought, didn't they bring in Sean uh, Michael or the guy from American Pie? Didn't they bring him? 
I think he was the replacement guy. Well, okay. Is that what it was? Well, I, well, this I didn't watch the show. So it's... William Scott. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. So this is Clayne Crawford, and he is he is a. They're in Utah, and he is the father of four kids, and he and his wife have decided to have a trial separation. With the caveat, they can see other people. So the first scene is uh, David Clay Crawford in the bedroom with Nikki and Derek, and he's got a pistol out. And you're like, well, this is the title of the movie. But then it goes to places that you did not think it would go. And Chris Coy uh, plays Derek. He was on Treme and uh, Walking Dead and The Deuce on HBO. And uh, he was big on Banshee on uh, Cinemax. So Dan Buffa probably knows exactly who he is. But he was like a lead character on Treme. And he just looks uh, gross uh, because, one, you're not supposed to like him because he's the other other man. And two, he's he just, these are rednecks in the middle of Utah just not having, everyone knows everybody. It's a small little town. And every time they go to the store, it was like, hey, how's it going with your wife? And so everyone, everyone knows everything and everyone knows the situation between David and Nikki. And they're all trying to talk around it whenever they talk to these people. It's really tight. As I said, it's only 84 minutes long. And as I said at the beginning of this, the killing of two lovers is not to be taken literally because you don't you at the beginning, you think, oh, He's got a pistol. He's going to shoot her and he's going to shoot and kill two lovers. And the poster is two naked people on the bed. And the wife, it, her name is Sebede Mohafi. And I've seen her in something, but I don't know where. And I tried looking her up and I, she is, she is famous, not inside the United States. So I, I liked her. She gave a very nuanced performance of, the wife Nikki and it's it's shot very close up because you're supposed to feel as confined as these characters it, it's weird because there are four kids all the way from teenager like 16 or 17 all the way down to let's say kindergartners so and there and I think that some of them are like twins but you know it, it's just a lot of kids running around because when yeah. there are four of them you know that uh, she uh, she was a model. She's huge on Instagram. So and there are very beautiful pictures of her on Instagram, of course. But uh, they whenever they're in the truck and David's in his truck a lot, they always shoot it from the passenger door. No matter what's going on, they shoot it from the passenger door. And so when the kids all get out of the car, no one goes in the passenger door. They all get out the driver's side as not to interrupt the camera, which yeah. I thought was a very stylistic choice. I'm like, why wouldn't they just do a second shot? Because yeah. they really, they uh, it's uh, Robert McOian. He, he was sometimes the they make those weird choices in, in double indemnity. There's a shot where Fred McMurray's in the hallway and like the only way he, they can, like he's supposed to overhear a conversation. And the only way they can do it is the door to the apartment opens into the hallway. No mm -hmm. door would ever do that. No, but, it wouldn't. Yeah. But, but like at that point, like it's double indemnity. It's a great movie. You're not even thinking about like which way the door opens, but yeah. Well, this is, it's a nice little movie. It wasn't Sundance last year. And Neon bought it, so it'll be in our giant neon giant pack at the end. Of movies, yeah. Yes, 
uh, where can you find it now? Is it just in theaters? It's in theaters, but it's not here in St. Louis yet. Um, I think it's going to be at Plaza Frontenac very soon. But and it's also on video on demand, which is how a lot of people are just getting their movies nowadays. Right. I checked into that Sesame Street documentary. I can't find it. It's it's video on demand, but it's 1999 for a Sesame Street documentary. And I really want to see it. I know. I think I'm just going to wait till it goes down in price. Yeah, that's it seems like the window on that is like inside of a month. They dropped it like at least mm -hmm. 10. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because yeah. really, it's Sesame Street documentary. You better get a stuffed animal for twenty bucks, <laughs> well, your, yeah, or a tote yeah. bag, right? Tote bag, well, something. Yeah, come on, well, PBS. Killing well, of Two Lovers was nominated for the John Cassavetes Award <clears throat> at the Independent Film Awards, Independent Spirit Awards oh, this year. Okay. So it's you know it's it did it did all right for itself, and I like some of the choices that they made. Um, it's 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 just. As I said, it's a weird little film. Well, <laughs> if you have HBO, I have two movies because I know Tom's got to leave it at six. Um, but uh, I watched the Angelina Jolie movie, Those Who Wish Me Dead, that is on HBO Max, but also in theaters because that's what Warner Brothers is doing. And I really liked it. Really? It's Taylor Sheridan directed it. Mm -hmm. And... You know, he has that it's set in Montana, which is gorgeous. And so he has that, you know, Wind River, uh, Yellowstone vibe to it. And also um, it is a uh, survival story. It's a pursuit. And Nicholas Holt and uh, Aidan Gian play the bad guys. And they're really bad. Led by Tyler Perry, who's a villain. How about that? Really? Yeah, but John I like it when Tyler Perry goes out of the Tyler Perry zone and does things yeah. like in like in Gone Girl. Gone Girl, yeah. Alex yeah. Cross. Well, he's only in one scene, but oh. uh, this is nefarious, and it starts off really good. And uh, in the meantime, while we're in the the forest, we have a forest fire, and Angelina Jolie is a firefighter, and she's protecting this traumatized twelve year old. And he is fabulous. The kid, Finn Little, and he's probably going to be up for those juvenile awards at the end of the year because he's fabulous. And then John Bernthal is the sheriff. Huh? Yeah. Who's Nicholas Holt? He is the bad guy. He's oh. one of the killers. And they are evil, evil, evil. But it zips along. And I was fascinated. I really enjoyed it. It's getting mixed reviews, I noticed. But I, you know, it's like, well, hey, I liked it. But so. you liked it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, you know, and then I thought Angelina Jolie was very good, believable. And I like the setting and Taylor Sheridan knows how to write a, uh, he, you know, he's a pretty good storyteller. So I don't think it's on the level of hell or high water, but oh, that's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is really good. And then Love I it. watched the four hour documentary crime of the century, which is in two parts on HBO. It is about the opioid crisis. Yes. I heard you, you, you sat yourself down and tortured yourself to watch the whole thing back to back. Oof. I did. But, a lot. Okay, and, and I know this is very personal to you, but yes. it was, that seems like you should have taken a break between the two parts, Lynn. I know. I know. I don't know. I'm of two minds. Like, cause I get wanting a break, but I also get just wanting to like get be it over done with. with it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So like, I, I, I see the logic in that, you know? Yeah. Well, Alex Gibney, he did the Scientology documentary. 
going clear that's good. and yeah. he won an oscar for taxi to the dark side so and he did last year totally under control and he did the agents of chaos so he's good i mean no stone is unturned here let me tell you yeah but it points fingers and lays blame and it's heartbreaking it makes you mad and it makes you sad yeah carl what i want to tell you is the muni is announcing uh about their season on monday really and you already know but you can't tell anybody no i had a uh what happened was things have been moving so fast in terms of st louis st louis county all the regulations and the cdc changes about masks and stuff so they pulled they pulled the embargoed interview oh and so i'll find out with everybody else on monday and then i'll get to talk to kofi afterwards so do you have any, not without giving any secrets away, do you have any inklings of what they're going to do? Well, I think because of everything that's changed, who knows? Because, you know, masks were just <laughs> yes, dropped. But no. Yeah. You know, masks were just dropped at Schnooks and Walmart and Sam's Club today. So who knows? But I would think maybe because of, you know, Broadway going back and. Uh, yeah, but that's not until September. Season. Right. I think, you know, they're supposed to start like, first week of july maybe it maybe push back a little bit and then also i would think maybe attendance can't be as big didn't the blues just up their attendance they did but that but see that that's different i, I everyone says well why are they first of all it was going to be four thousand and then they moved it up to nine thousand but you have to remember the blues are inside and so and then well the cardinals are doing they're gonna have full by july and I said yeah but the blues are still inside and so we don't know what's going to happen and you can't you there's no vaccine passport so you don't know who's vaccinated or who's not and the blues aren't going to ask people and the and it's also not just up to the blues it's up to the league and it's up to the city and it's up to the state so there right. are a lot of moving parts going on. So don't, and even if you hear something, don't blame the blues or don't blame the city or don't blame the league. There are lots of moving parts. Right. Because uh, things can change in an instant. And if we have a big spike again, well, you know, there we go. Exactly. But, uh, the Muni is outdoors, but also they have to uh, abide by city public health rules. Yes, because it is it's and owned, also it's owned by the city. The trade unions, the trade ah. unions have a lot to say. Actors Equity has a lot to say. So hmm. we shall see. Already this week, I have been getting invitations to theater. I know that Union Avenue Opera is going to do two shows underneath the big tent, uh, the big top in grand mm -hmm. center instead of that church that they usually do union avenue church so is it the, is it the uh circus flora that uh yeah the arts the foundation owns? Yeah, yeah that's what uh that's what the union avenue opera is going to do and okay. they're not till august and then stray dog theater is going to start their season in august but they're going to do the play art on their lawn first mm -hmm. And then they're going to come back in the fall with two shows, but they're very minimal cast. Okay. So that's a thing. And I'm so, so some of the theater companies are starting up again, but again, they're not those big giant productions. Right. Yeah. Which, which is still good. I'm glad to have theater back. 
Yeah. And Lincoln Theater in Belleville's got a big special event next Sunday. They are having the movie Flash Gordon because it's the 40th anniversary tour. And they're having Sam Jones. He's going to be at the vintage toy and collectible store across the street. And he played Flash Gordon in the 1980 movie. Right. Sam Jones. So he's going to be giving out autographs. And uh, so this this store is called I Had That (laughs) and it's right across from the Lincoln. So it's going to be kind of in tandem. And apparently, if you want to, you know, go online and figure everything out, just go to um, yeah, Google it. Go to uh, Lincoln Theater and then also go to that. I had that toy. And and the day before that, the Skyview is going to show that uh, Bon Jovi concert. I know. I know. And uh, all the theaters in town, I've noticed, are having rentals. Like you can rent the theaters out for special events. And it's like less than 100 bucks. I know. Marcus is having that through the end of May. So like if you want to have a graduation party show a movie that's what you can do so very 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 interesting all righty anything else going on uh not really we've we talked about most everything that's going on in town so yeah and the golden globes are really in trouble you think they're going to happen uh no nbc's not gonna show it and this is and people don't realize this is the third time that the golden globes have been kicked off of television the first time was in the 60s where the fcc said hey you're not really open with your practices so you're not we're not going to allow you on broadcast television the next time was 20 years later in the 80s when cbs said uh, you're not a legitimate organization by giving pia zadora things because her husband paid for it so they dropped them then and now this is the third time uh 40 years later that nbc did it right so, uh, so the, the, the yeah, Golden Globes have never been a legitimate precursor to anything. I know NBC and Dick Clark Productions just manufactured that. Well, it's only 100 people anyway. No, it's 84 now. And I um, liked how they, I liked how they said uh, we have people of color. We have Asians and we have some Indians. We just we we have yellow and brown people. We just don't have any black people. So they said st- they said we have people of color, just not all colors. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> well, the Critics Choice Association jumped on that date that January 9th, Sunday. Good. As they're they're returning because last year we went to March. So now we're returning to January 9th, which is good. But we're on the CW. Right. So that'll be interesting. The MTV TV and movie awards are Sunday night. Leslie Jones is hosting them. Yeah, I'm I that is one of the I watch it every year. I watch the video awards and I watch the movie awards, movie and TV awards now. But because that is I still watch MTV just for that. And usually it's going to be a lot of good performances. Right. And uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's getting the Comic Genius Award and mm-hmm. ScarJo is getting one of those legend awards. Icon or whatever. It is. Yeah, whatever they do. I I used to watch uh, both those shows every year and I can't remember if the, the last time, but usually the, the music video one, I don't know who anybody is anymore. And so I sound very old. 
But uh, that should be interesting. And I am obsessed with Mayor of Easttown. We just had the fourth episode. Tomorrow night will be the fifth. And, you know, you can't binge it. So you got to wait. Of seven. There are only seven episodes. So, I and know. And the last one's going to be on Memorial Day. So. So it's so good. Who do so, you think the killer is? Um, I think it's one of the girls who died's uncles. Okay. I, I haven't watched it yet. My wife wants to wait till there are five of them and then we will watch them and then she will be upset for two weeks when she has to wait. <laughs> yeah, but it could be it could be a number of people. It right. really could. It was leading to the priest and then that was debunked. But yeah, there's a lot of in, there's a lot of shady characters. Let's put it like that. And then there's another there was a huge reveal at the end of the fourth one that changes pretty much a whole thing. And Evan Peters from St. Louis, well, you know, he just was here for a brief time, but St. Louis claims him. He's really good as the other detective. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. I watched you. I, I told you I watched five minutes just to hear her uh, accent. And then I couldn't tell of anything. Well, yeah, but that's not important. She's just very good. This character is very complex and she's pretty much a hot mess. And Jean Smart's her, her mother, which is great. And I hear she's fantastic. Yeah, she is. I watched that new show HBO had Hacks. Mm -hmm. It's the one. From it's the, supposed to be really good, too. Yeah, it's the one from the Broad City people. Mm -hmm. And Jean Smart plays a Joan Rivers type of comedian who's been the toast of Vegas for years. And Christopher McDonald owns the casino that she performs at and ignominiously tells her that we got to book some young acts to get the young people in here. And we're going with like pentatonics. And she was like, pentatonics, who's pentatonics? And <laughs> uh, so uh, she hires this young writer uh, to help her and, uh, it's a clash of the generations and the different showbiz types. But what's so funny is setting it in Vegas, like the, the girl from LA is like every day she wakes up and the weather reports like it's 115 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I know. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of little different things, but I think it's one of those where it has to find its footing. And hopefully it will. Yeah. So there we go. So there's a lot going on. I still I haven't even caught up with story of late night. Oh, yeah, because, you know, they've only shown one episode. And then you can you can download episode two, but I think episode three is on like in two weeks. It's so weird. Once again, CNN doesn't know how to do this stuff because of you know all of the breaking news i know well that's what ruined the movies for me i was looking forward to that that scene but you know you can get all those cnn special on series demand. on hbo max oh okay well i might do that then yeah you can get them all because those decade ones that are fabulous you know the 60s 70s 80s yep. and so forth those are great and then the one about the two-parter about 1968 and stuff like that. Those are just really wonderful. So, yeah. So where can we find you on socials, Lynn? I am on all the socials. I'm even on Instagram, although I rarely use that, really. I don't. But uh, I'm in the Webster Kirkwood Times. I am with Ray Hartman every Thursday evening around 1030. Miller Furniture presents Lynn Van House Goes to the Movies. 
And uh, we're here every weekend. And also, uh, we have I have my own website. You can find me at underscore Carl the Intern on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, usually, it's about St. Louis Blues stuff. And St. Louis Blues are playing into the wee hours of the morning starting next week. So uh, I will be having my next horn test on Monday evening when I'm doing the Professional Women's Hockey Association game at Enterprise Center. There's a professional women's hockey team? Yes. They're playing at Centene on Sunday and at Enterprise Center on Monday, right before the Blues play the Avalanche at 9 o'clock. Oh, wow. Well, very cool. Well, it's a gloomy uh, evening for uh, binging, and I'm going to watch Halston with Ewan McGregor. And uh, and, and I'm going to watch the Pink documentary. Oh, yeah, I've got that, too. And then uh, Key Michael, Key, uh, Keegan-Michael Keegan Key. Keegan-Michael Key. You always get it wrong. I know. I always do. I always switch the two. Um, he is on SNL tonight. Yes. And, Tom, thanks for being on with us, too. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Tom, let's plug every single thing that you're doing right now. You can, um, go ahead. Start. start. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, if you want to hear spoiler riddled reviews, you can go, to, you can find real spoilers wherever you get your podcast. If you want to find out about uh, Peloton or if you love your Peloton and can't get enough of it, instructor interviews, celebrity interviews, interviews with writers, news of the week. It's the clip out. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. And uh, if you have a tonal or want to know about tonal, the superset. Uh, same wherever you get your podcast. And if you live in St. Louis and you want to see Hank Williams Jr. or the Monkees or uh, uh, Price is Price right, right live on stage. Yeah. Now uh, is George going to be in the host? Yeah. Who's going to be the host? They haven't told us yet. We normally find out about a month in advance. So because um, it could, the last couple times been Todd Idle. Newton. Yeah. It's been, yeah. So um, and then George but, uh, is from St. Louis. Well, George George is in St. Louis a lot. Yeah. So, um, but so yeah, we won't find out for until about a month out typically, but we, so. but you know, it's not going to be Drew Carey. No, it I, I will promise you it will not be Drew Carey. Yes. But, it, but does that do doesn't it. mean that George wouldn't come and do like a cameo if he knew that it was going on and they only, they get like so much time off cause they only do it like, like every, they shoot like six months and two weeks or something. Like it's right, crazy exactly. how they film game shows. It's absolutely and then George insane. And then George comes here to St. Louis. He's a huge Cardinal fan and you can see him like at most games. Oh, I didn't know that. So I was, but anyway, so that's, I think that's taping uh, um, of all time. They had, a, they had to throw us granola bars because yeah, there was some technical glitch and we had to sit there ah. for hours and they threw us granola gotcha. bars. And, and, then, and her oh, sister got on. Yeah, and and uh, people got up on stage and sang. We had a sing along. We did all That's this, funny. and then at the end, but Drew had gone back to his dressing room. But George hung out with us pretty much the whole time. Talk. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. my sister won three hundred dollars. So, nice. There you and, go. And half the plane flight. Luckily, she didn't have to pay taxes on that because it was less than six hundred. Under six hundred. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, well, thank you very much for thank you for having thank me on. You. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, and we look forward no to talking to you get and seeing you at a screening. Hopefully soon. Yeah. And uh, Carl, we're going to run down a couple of the St. Louis things happening before we. Bye, leave. Crystal. Bye, Crystal. <laughs> Bye, Tom. Happy, says, oh, you see it right Bye. Happy, happy Peloton uh, exercising. Everybody stay safe. Get vaccinated. Go mask free. <laughs> All right, Lynn. We will talk next week. Yes. Bye-bye, Carl. Bye, Lynn.